Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. I give honor to Pastor Dave and Mama Ann for the opportunity to share the Word of God. I thank God for my husband, who is a wonderful man of God. And I have seen God do some miraculous things. Miraculous things. And he's good like that. Amen. I thank God that my mother was able to make it today. And that's a blessing that she was able to come today. And I thank God my uncle is here, and I just want to acknowledge him. You guys were praying uh, for us last weekend. His wife passed, and we're grateful to have him here. And he's a wonderful husband and father. And I just thank God for all of my family. That encouraged me in my walk with the Lord. So let's talk. Follow the leader. This was a game when you was younger. You remember the leader would do something, and then the rest of us would follow along with the leader. And the, the trick of the game was to do exactly what the leader said. You know, later on they developed Simon Says, and, and you tried to follow along. Well, follow the leader became real, real to me. I began to study when Pastor let me know that this would be a Sunday that he would let me proclamate. But God brought it real to me last week. I've been studying. I've been in the scripture. I was going one direction. And then last week happened. What I've learned is that people are always watching. I know this. I, I know it. You know it. You should know it. If you're a Christian, people are watching. They're always watching, which makes us all leaders in Christ. And I have some additional responsibility as a leader on my job. I'm a manager that manages managers. And so I have a lot of responsibility about how I carry myself and how I respond to situations as they arise. So as I begin to study the scripture... I wanted to find out what exactly is a leader made of. And so as I looked through the scripture, Peter and John stuck out to me. And I kind of went through the whole chapter, so for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to give you a synopsis of what was going on in this moment. This was a couple of chapters after the Holy Spirit had come. And... Peter and John are now filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're going to fulfill the commission. They're going out there. This is the initiation of the church, and so they are out there saving souls, preaching the gospel. They're leading the way, Peter and John. Now, if you recall, it wasn't too long ago in the scripture where we all know Peter was pretty immature. Peter was the one that denied Jesus. Peter was the one saying, don't wash my feet. Peter was the one that's trying to cut off the ear of the guard. This is Peter that we know of before the Holy Spirit. Now we get introduced to Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a change in leadership. 
He was one man back then. And now we're going to see Peter, who is full with, of the Holy Spirit. So, as I read the scripture, the first thing I, thought, I said about Peter in this scripture is Peter was charismatic. He was charismatic. Leaders have to be charismatic. The scripture says that Peter had spoken to these people and that at that moment, 5,000 were saved. Plus, there were 5,000 men plus their families. Now, at this time, Peter is speaking out and he's preaching the gospel. And in the crowd are the naysayers, the Sadducees, the rulers, the high priests, the high priest friends and cousins. It's in the scripture. They said there's many of his family. Everybody was there. And they were disturbed about the message being spoken. Because the Sadducees didn't get into that resurrection thing. And they didn't want it said that he was resurrected. Now, Peter of old probably would have maybe cowered down or tried to fight physically. But this is the new Peter. So the new Peter is full of boldness. And here this new Peter is, and the new John, and he's charismatic. He's preaching the word of God with authenticity and passion. He's charismatic. Leaders need to be charismatic. Something he said was drawing people. And as he was speaking, these Sadducees got upset to the point they said, arrest them. And so they arrest Peter and John. But the word of God had already went forth. So even though they in jail that night, the 5,000 plus is having a praise party because they've come into the knowledge of God. So Peter and John's work for the day had been done. So they are in the prison overnight. 5,000 plus are saved. Morning comes. And the Sadducees and the people come. And they come bring Peter and John before the council, and the council begins to ask questions. And so that day, they asked, the scripture says, they asked them, by what power have you done this? By what name have you done this? Peter, being full of the Holy Spirit, shows compassion first. It says, he says to them, if we're here this day and judged for doing a good deed, because in chapter 3, he had healed a man. And so in chapter 4, now they're questioning him because this man stands healed in front of the council. So they pull Peter and John in, and what are you guys doing? Who gave you that power? By what name you're using? And so Peter is bold, and he says, are you really calling me in here to question me because I healed a man who needed to be healed. Peter showed compassion. Remember the Peter and John back in the old day, a couple of weeks ago? Remember the woman that was following them and bid her to go away because she getting on our nerves? That was Peter before his encounter with the Holy Spirit. He wasn't one to be bothered with the people. 
But here Peter is after his encounter with the Holy Spirit. And he has compassion on a man that needed healing. And so healing went forth. So Peter, had, he was charismatic and he was compassionate for the needs of the people. I learned as a leader in my job, it's very important that I concentrate on the mission, but it's more important that I concentrate on my people. Because when I lead them correctly and I'm concerned and compassionate about their needs, I know that they can't be at 100% if something's going on at home. So I have to be compassionate about what's going on in their lives so that I can get the best out of them. Leaders have to have compassion. Peter's and John are charismatic. They have compassion and they're competent. They're competent. What are they competent in is the real question. After they asked him by what power and what name, and he showed compassion saying, hey, we healed this guy. What's the big deal? Then he says, if you really need to know by what power and what name, I'm going to let you know. He said, matter of fact, I'm going to let everybody know. Let it be known. He tells them, let it be known to all of you and all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by the way, whom, you, whom God raised from the dead, by the way, by him, this man stands in front of the council whole. I was thinking about that. Peter was competent in his knowledge of God. He knew Jesus. And I can just imagine in my mind, it's just my mind, Peter was excited about being asked. In my mind, I'm thinking Peter is like, ask me again. He said, this is Jesus whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This is the stone that y'all rejected. Now he's the chief cornerstone. He tells them, this is Jesus of Nazareth. You know, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word is God. And the word became flesh and dwelled among Jesus. You know who I'm talking about. Jesus. He's, it's Jesus. I, I think Peter was thinking, this is Jesus. He who was, who he is, and who is to come. Jesus. That's him. It's Jesus. You know, Jesus. The name that, above every name. This is Jesus. You, you know Jesus. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus. I think he got personal. My Redeemer, my, rep- my Provider, my Healer. This is Jesus. Jesus, you know, you, you know who he is, right? The Rock of my Salvation. It's, it's Jesus. He's the miracle worker, the light in the darkness. This is Jesus. Peter, was, I think he had a smile on his face. This is the way maker. When the ends don't meet, the in-between. He, I think he wanted them to know it was Jesus. Who did it all? It was all about Jesus. I I really think Peter was trying to get them to understand he was Jesus. The way out of no way. It it, it was Jesus. Peter wanted them to know he's the Alpha and the Omega. This is Jesus we're talking about. 
I think Peter was smiling. He, he knew him to be a physician and, and a provider. He wasn't telling him what he heard. Peter saw Jesus. So he was trying to let them know. Just in case anybody got any, any doubts, this was Jesus. He told them it was Jesus. So Peter was charismatic. And he was compassionate. And he was competent about his knowledge in Jesus. But then he was consecrated. You know, consecration, being solely dedicated and set apart for a higher purpose. Why do I say he was consecrated? Because the scripture says that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, but they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. What that told me was, it wasn't something that they said, per se. They didn't have, really what they didn't have is, is the radical, you know, schooling behind it. They didn't go to seminary. But they, they were in seminary because they were with Jesus. But they didn't go to where the priests and the Sadducees felt like they needed to go before they start talking about and so they, they didn't have the book knowledge they were expected to have. They, they didn't have the presentation. They, they probably didn't use any big words. But it was something different. There was something different about Peter and John. There was something. I don't know. Maybe they wasn't hypocritical. Maybe they wasn't one foot in the church and one foot out. Just maybe. Maybe, maybe they, they weren't going to club on Saturday night and Sunday they were in church worship with the people that was at the club. Maybe they weren't talking about Jesus in one breath and cussing everybody out at work on the other breath. We, we don't know what it was. But whatever it was, It made a point in their mind that he had been with Jesus. I wonder if I went to your job, if I went to the house, to school, if I talked to your neighbors, are they going to tell me that there's something different about you? Wherever you go, can they tell that you've been in the presence of Jesus? Maybe I should ask, have you been in the presence of Jesus? Because leaders have to be in the presence of Jesus to lead effectively. We know Peter. Peter and John were charismatic. They're compassionate. They're competent. And they were consecrated. But you know what else they were? They were confident in their conviction. You read down in the scripture and they're telling them that this is the stone that y'all rejected which became the chief cornerstone but then they turn around and says nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. 
Peter and John were confident there's no other way. I don't care what the other people say. There's no other way. Peter and John were telling the people, you can't come by Muslim. You can't come by the, the Jews that don't accept Jesus. You, you, you can't come by Jehovah Witness. You can't come that way. You can't come by Oprah. He says, there's no other way. They were confident that there's no other way. They were confident that Jesus is the truth, the way and the life. They were confident that Jesus is the door and no one comes and enters but by him. They were confident in their convictions that Jesus is the only way. Are you confident? Do you hear something on TV that make you wonder, well, maybe, maybe it could be something else. I wonder. Galea was singing this song, Help My Unbelief. Do you ever get stuck? I know what I've heard and I know what people say, but maybe because you haven't experienced him yourself, your conviction is not quite compelling. He was courageous. He was charismatic. He was compassionate. He was competent. He was consecrated. He was confident. And he was courageous and compelled. Remember, they pulled them in. They had arrested them. And now they determined to tell them, you can't use that name no more. You can't use that name no more. And I love Peter. You know, this ain't the Peter of old. This is Peter full of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter comes back and say, well, you know what? Whether it's right in your sight of God to listen to you more than to listen to God, you go ahead and judge that. But Peter says, for we, we cannot but speak. The things which we have heard and seen. I can't, Kay said, they got a terminal case of the I can't help it. I can't help it. Peter and John said, I don't know what else to do because when I open my mouth, it, it, Jeremiah says, like fire shut up in your bones. I don't know what else to do. I just can't help but to tell somebody. He was compelled. Do you feel compelled to tell people the good news? Are you compelled to tell people what he delivered you from? You know, we, we hide them stories in the closet, but are you compelled to tell? I used to, but God. Peter said, I can't help. I've seen blind men's eyes open. I've seen some lame man leaping around here. I can't help but to tell you he's a healer because I know he's a healer. Do you ever get to the position where something don't have to happen to you for you to believe God? I like to think I'm one of those people that can look at your healing Bonita and know God is a healer. But they were compelled. 
And we all know something or somebody. If it hasn't happened to you, you know somebody who walked away from an accident or somebody who should have been long dead and buried, but they still here. And that ought to be compelling to you. You, you should be in a position where I just can't help. When somebody starts talking about some terminal illness or sickness, you, have, you know what? I know what it might seem like, but I have seen God. I've seen him do things that other people can't do. I've seen, I've seen him show up in places where other people don't show up. They had to be courageous because they just threatened them. I'm telling you not to talk in this name. And Peter said, in his mind, I'm sure you're going to have to go ahead and do what you're going to do. Because I can't help it. I've seen too much. You know that old song, I know too much? Peter said, I, I know too much. You can't make me doubt him because I know too much. He was compelled. The leaders of Christ have to be charismatic compassionate, competent, consecrated, convict, com- convinced of him. You have to be confident and compelled. The last thing I saw in that chapter was Peter, after they got released, he went back. They went back to the other disciples and the, the other people that were hanging around, and they told them what happened, what the priest said, what they tried to make them do. And here, Peter and John share that story, and then what they do is they're committed. They're not about to back down. They bunker down and pray. Let, let's pray some more. At the end of the chapter, now remember, he's already bold because that's what they saw. But Peter gets in there and they start praying for more boldness. God, just take it up another level. Because they're coming against us. If you read the prayer, he talks about how they're being attacked and how they have attacked in the past. And Peter's like, take it up a notch, God. Take it up a notch. Because they were committed to the things of God. They were going to lead people to Christ no matter what. And throughout the whole story, all I could think about, it was all about Jesus. You can't make me close my mouth. You can't make me shut up because it's all about Jesus. And as I went through that scripture, the reality came to me at work. I came in and, you know, I'm studying and I can't even remember what day it was. One day last week, I got an email And I'm going to tell this because I was praying and the thought came, and I'm sure that some of you have to be thinking this, how do I stand as a leader for Christ in a worldly situation? Because I'm at my job and I'm a leader and I know I'm a leader. I'm mentoring people. I'm mentoring my managers and they all know I'm a minister. So when I'm at work, I do my best to uphold the banner of Christ. I do my best. I have not arrived. I'll say that again. I have not arrived. But I'm doing my best. 
And so I got this email that challenged my role. It was somebody trying to tell me what they were going to do in my department with my people. And I guess, you know, the the back and forth has kind of been going on between her and I since she arrived. And I've been doing my best to hold up that banner. When I got that email, I, I I was upset, and that's a nice, nice, mild word. I was hot. I was so hot, I could not pray for myself at that moment. I was ready to come back with some choice words. I don't even use choice words. But I thought of some at that moment. I was upset. Now, I couldn't pray for myself, so I called my husband. And I said, baby, I'm going to need you to pray. Because I couldn't get it myself. I I mean, uh, you got to recognize, at that moment, I could not pray for myself. Because I knew what I wanted to tell that lady. And I knew that if I told her what was on my mind, I lost my witness. So I called my husband. I said, baby, you got to pray. He prayed. Wonderful. My peace started lighting up. And then I sent some texts to women I know to pray. I ain't even have to tell them what it was. I just said, y'all need to pray for me. And we have that kind of relation where they just, whatever it is, God, they pray for me. And so God, the peace of God just came over me. I found myself trying to be a leader for Christ in a natural worldly situation. And what I realized when I'm in that position, after the peace of God overtook me, I said, this is a spiritual thing. I I couldn't get my mind to conceive that because I was mad. But after the prayers went forth, I said, this is a spiritual thing. I'm preaching on Sunday. I see you. Now, I couldn't see him when I was angry. But now that the peace of God, I said, this is spiritual. And though scriptures started coming then. After, after I could see that it was spiritual, I, I knew then that we don't walk in the flesh. We war in the spirit. I was aware at that moment God was solidifying my message, for one, because I had to walk out what God has given me today. And then I knew it was a spiritual battle and I begin to pray and use my word, because now I can pray for myself, you know, when you calm way down. I was able to pray for myself. And then I knew that the battle, it wasn't mine. It was the Lord's. It took a minute. So for all of you who have that short, I, I don't think I have a short temper. But those of you who do, I understand how you can find yourself in a moment and decisions have to be made. But I want to encourage you that it's a spiritual battle. And you can't war in the flesh. You have to war in the spirit. 
So I can tell you what I did. I got them three things that you do when you're a leader for Christ in a natural situation, and it's challenging. The first thing you have to do is realize that it's a spiritual battle. Understand that the spiritual battle is the Lord's and not yours. Reach out to somebody that can come into agreement and pray. And then take authority. Because that's what God told me. You have to take authority over that spirit. There's something in her that don't agree with me. And I know what's in me. So I begin to pray and take authority over that because I have it. You be in Christ, you have it. And that whole situation for that moment changed. Now, Tuesday, I don't know what it's going to look like. She going to be back in the office on Tuesday because it wasn't settled Friday. And she'll be back in the office on Tuesday. But I tell you what I have, the confidence that no matter what happens on Tuesday, I have already won that battle. I've already won it. So when I get into my manager's meeting next Tuesday afternoon and I tell them to follow the leader, I can say that without being hypocritical. When you're on your job, can you tell somebody to follow you as you follow Christ? Because if you can't tell someone that, there need to be some changes in your leadership. Peter has told us and shown us how we change over in our leadership. Follow the leader. Follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. Everyone stand up. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.